Okay. So uh, I do have a picture I'd like to draw you on the whiteboard. And um, so this is going to be like, for those of you that haven't yet come to what we call School of the Spirit, this is going to be like School of the Spirit. We're going to move fast. I'm going to um, unpack some scripture. I'm going to show you something that you can step into because School of the Spirit is about activating people into a life of the Spirit. And so I'll, um, I'll just draw it on the whiteboard. Don't try and keep up. Um, but at the end, maybe what you might want to do is come and take a photo of the whiteboard before you go home. And we'll make sure that the photo is also attached to the podcast in the app so that you can um, experience uh, the message again if you need to, or you can share it with someone else. So that's what we're going to do this morning. What I'd like to talk to you about is uh, the title of the message is called Spirit-Filled Life. Oops. So one of the big things for us as a church is stepping into that place where um, we can experience the fullness of life that God's got for us. That's what we believe is an apostolic church. This year, we're talking about what it means to be an apostolic church as modeled in the scriptures and, and taught by Jesus Christ. Um, if someone could please find in the scriptures and be prepared to read it out. Can you take that mic, buddy? Uh, John chapter 3, verses 5, 6, and 7. Someone put their hand up and tell me that they're going to read it out. Who's, who's it? The kid is doing it. Okay, so last week we shared a message called Born Again DNA, and we're going to read the scripture, John chapter 3, verses 5, 6, and 7. Have you got the mic on? Hello? There we go. Jesus answered, Truly I tell you, unless someone is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. Whatever is born of the flesh is flesh, and whatever is born of the Spirit is Spirit. Do not be amazed that I told you that you must be born again. So last week, if you haven't heard the message, it's on the podcast, we talked about having a born-again DNA, moving from a place of unbelief by what God is doing into a place of new birth. And we unpack this, the conversation between Jesus and Nicodemus. And so this whole concept here is about uh, a birth into a spirit life or a spirit-filled life. So he, what Jesus is saying in this passage is unless you are born of the spirit, you will not experience the spirit. It's essential to us that we go through this process as disciples. If someone else could please find Matthew chapter 3 and verse 11. Don't make me volunteer you. Someone put their hand up. Matthew chapter 3 verse 11. Thank you. I baptize you with water for repentance, but after me comes one who is more powerful than I, whose sandals I'm not worthy to carry. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. Excellent. So this is John speaking, and he's talking about what he's up to, which is baptizing people in the water and the rivers and the lakes. And he said, you heard Phil read it. There's one coming after referring to Jesus that will baptize you into a new life. All right. And he was referring to the coming of Jesus Christ. So what I want us to understand is we access born again DNA by um, what's called regeneration, like we are regenerated by the work of the Spirit, and that enables us to have faith in Jesus as our Savior. And from that, then there are two, two things I wanted to point to. 
The first one is baptism in water, and the second one is baptism in the Spirit. And I would firstly say, if you haven't been water baptized as an adult, the Bible demonstrates, and we believe as a church, that it is an essential step for your discipleship journey. And we will often host services where we fill up a pool with nice warm water, but by faith we're putting you into that water as an act of your declaration of faith in partnership with Jesus Christ. If someone could find John chapter 7, who wants to read John chapter 7? Who said yes? Liam, thank you. So John chapter 7, verses 37 to 39. This is Jesus speaking. Verses, what verse? 37 to 39. On the last day, the climax of the festival, Jesus stood and shouted to the crowds, Anyone who is thirsty may come to me. Anyone who believes in me may come and drink, for the scriptures declare rivers of living water will flow from his heart. When he said living water, he was speaking of the Spirit who would be given to everyone believing uh, believing in him, but the Spirit had not yet been given because Jesus had not entered into his glory. Great. So Jesus is saying, if you are thirsty, if you are thirsty, come to me. And I will give you living waters if you're thirsty. So what I'm trying to lead to this morning is, a, is an environment that creates thirst. I want to talk about what is offered in order that you might say, oh, I want that. I have a thirst for it. I have an appetite for it. It's something I want to step into. What Jesus also said is if you come to me and believe in me, which is the surrender part of the journey, then living waters will flow out of you. So it's essential that, one, you have a thirst, because those that are not thirsty don't go looking for the water that Jesus is offering, which is life eternal. But the only way that you access that, as we talked about last week in the Born Again DNA message, is that a lifestyle of surrender is essential for you to experience the Born Again DNA. You've got to come to and partner with the cross of Jesus and acknowledge that he is Lord. And finally, when that happens, there's an outpouring of him, because you don't get it to keep it, you get it for it to flow out of you that others would also experience. And I want to point to that this morning. We've got our main passage of Scripture this morning, and John 14. And uh, if, I, if I would give you some homework this week, it would be to read John chapter 14. And we're going to refer to a couple of passages in it. But John chapter 14, Jesus says this. I'll read this one. If you love me, obey my commandments. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate who will never leave you. He is the Holy Spirit who leads into all truth. The world cannot receive him because it isn't looking for him and doesn't recognize him. But you know him because he lives with you now and later will be in you. No, I won't abandon you as orphans. I'll come to you. Soon the world will no longer see me, but you will see me. Since I live, you also will live. When I am raised to life again, You will know that I am in my Father, and you are in me, and I am in you. Those who accept my commandments and obey them are the ones who love me. And because they love me, my Father will love them, and I will love them, and reveal myself to each one of them. 
This is a key scripture for us today, and it's going gonna, it's gonna to give you the building blocks necessary to move into that place of a spirit-filled life. What I want to do very, very quickly, as I do, I'm just going to point to six things in the scripture, in the verses we've just looked at, that you might want to take note of. Verse 15. Verse 15, I'll read it to you out of the Passion, because this guy says it differently. Loving me, Jesus', Jesus words, loving me empowers you to obey my commands. Here's what that means for me. Surrender looks like obedience. If you're not obedient, you're not surrendered. How many times does he say in this passage, if you love me, obey my commandments. He says later, we're not going to read it today, if you love me, obey my word, meaning my rema word, the fresh instruction I'm giving you. Surrender looks like obedience. In verse 16, Jesus says this, I'll ask the Father and he will give you another advocate. We're going we're gonna to come back to this, but I just want to highlight that this is a helper, so I'll put that there for you to remember, but Jesus says I'll give you, an, the Father will give you another advocate. Don't miss the word there. An additional, something extra. Jesus also says this, well, this person that comes to help you will never leave you. And I want to highlight this this morning because I believe some people are feeling isolated. Some people are feeling alone. Some people feel like God forgot them. And the scripture says for you this morning that the Holy Spirit comes as an advocate. We're going to build on this and he will never leave you. Lock that in if that's a revelation for you. In verse 17, Jesus says this, he's the Holy Spirit who leads into truth. He leads you into truth. Another way to say that is he leads you, that that assumes you're following, by the way. He leads you into freedom. And again, for some of you, this is a key thing to grab this morning, is that when the Holy Spirit comes as a helper, he's doing a purpose because he's taking you somewhere. Right, let's land this this little section here. Verse 20, Jesus says, when I'm raised to life again, so he's prophesying his resurrection life. He knows he's going to the cross. This is the night before. He's going to the cross. He says, when, when, when I am raised to life again, you'll know that I'm I'm in my Father and you are in me. You are in me. So I just want to highlight, he says, you are in me. Now, this is what that means. Jesus is saying to you, my resurrection victory is your resurrection victory. The fantastic testimony we heard from Bobby this morning, the fantastic testimony we heard from Doug and Richard and others is about us stepping into Jesus' victory. You will be in me, which means my victory, Jesus says, is your victory. And some of us need to grab that with both arms and hold on to it. And we have an opportunity for you to do that this morning. Don't be too excited. <laughs> Sorry, I've upset you this morning. I know that. We're doing things different, but this is how we roll. Okay. Uh, those who accept my commandments and my fathers, I will reveal myself to each one of them. 
I will reveal myself, verse 21, I will reveal myself to each one of those who love me. What Jesus is saying is, I'm going to reveal my glory through you. This is all about the glory of Jesus. So Jesus says, my glory revealed in you. And this is a key point. I want to come back to this. This is a key point that we would understand. Look, I'll draw a little key here. Watch this. See that? The whole point. This is what, like, a born-again DNA, why do we do this? Just to get a bus ticket to heaven? No. We talk about this all the time. This is not just about saying a short prayer, getting in the club, and hoping things go well for us. The point is that we connect to Jesus in relationship. We associate with Jesus through his death and our death in the waters of baptism. And then we move into the life that he makes available through baptism in the spirit that would have the fullness of life, that the glory of Jesus would be revealed in you. Not just me, not just Jesus, not just the stories or the videos or something on iTunes, but in you where you are in school and work and play, in your family, in your community. You're the answer to their problems when the glory of Jesus is revealed in you. But how do you access that? How do you move into it? How do you experience it? What's the big deal here? Is this just a process we're following? But we have life, and we have life that Jesus wants to offer us. Are you interested if I show you the second half of the whiteboard? Are you okay? Okay. Well, let's draw you because you're part of the story. And I'm sure you'll be happy to know that you're now the center of the universe. There you are, where you like to be. In the center of your world. And Jesus is showing us things in the scripture that we need to grasp hold of so that we can come before him in the right way to receive what he's got. Because if you're not doing it the right way, you're not going to experience it. We're going to come around the table together as a family this morning and remember Jesus. But I want to position us so that we can receive what he's got for us personally. So there are, there are some characters in the story that we've got to understand. And I want to just point out a few things to help you. So we have the Father. Jesus says the Father will give an advocate. The Father is the one who prepares a place for you. The Father is the author of life. He is the one that ordained the numbers of our days, the personality and the path that we would walk. It is the Father who releases things into us. Now what we also have, Jesus says, I am going to a place. And his disciples are like, what? What? Where are you going? Look at it. It's in the beginning of chapter 14. Trust in God. Trust in me. There is more than enough room in my Father's home. Where my Father dwells, you will dwell. There's room for you. When everything is ready, I'll come and get you. So Jesus is not here now. He's there, and he says, I'll come and get you when it's ready. So we've got to understand, Jesus is not here. Key point. I'll come and get you, and you know where I'm going. And Thomas goes, what? I don't know where you're going. We have no idea where you're going, so how can we know the way? And Jesus says, I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. And no one comes to the Father except... Right. So Jesus leads us to the Father. So if you ever want to talk to Father God, you come through Jesus. 
Not because you're not worthy, but that's the way he's ordained it and the way Jesus has prepared it. I will lead you in the way before the Father, and I will be here for you. One more thing we need to understand about Jesus, and it's in the Scriptures. I want you to see it. In verse 16. Verse 16, over here, Jesus says, I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate, another helper, another, meaning not me. So what we need to understand is Jesus is the other one. He's an advocate, but he's in heaven. Hopefully, you're encouraged to hear that. If you want to look this up, go and read Hebrews 7, 8, 9, and through to 12. But in Hebrews 8, the writer of Hebrews says Jesus is the mediator of a new covenant, which is the way and the fullness of God. And Jesus is seated beside the Father, interceding for you and praying that you would experience the fullness of what I've made available through my sacrifice and resurrection. He's praying for you in heaven. He's right up here, seated at the right hand of the Father, interceding on your behalf. Are you grateful for that? Because what Jesus wants you to experience is the fullness of the new covenant, the new way of living inside this relationship with the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. So Jesus is not here. He's a human. He has a human body that's entered into glory. So it's different than yours and mine. We'll work that out later. But he's in the, in the Father's company in heaven. But Jesus shows us the way, and he shows us the example of how we can live. So what we also have down here, living with us, is the Holy Spirit. And he is the one who was sent, says Jesus, to become our advocate or our helper every day. So we have an advocate in heaven, and we have an advocate in earth. A daily helper that helps us walk through life. And we'll unpack this a little bit more as we land these thoughts. Can someone find me John chapter 3 and verse 34? John chapter 3 and verse 34. Who's got a Bible? Who said yes? Thank you, Hannah. John chapter 3, verse 34. For the one whom God has sent speaks the words of God, for God gives the Spirit without limit. Huh. So, so um, an older translation says the fullness of measure. And we could also put without limit. So it's speaking about Jesus. John's writing, in John chapter 3, he's writing about Jesus. And he's saying Jesus has the Spirit in all its fullness without measure. It's incomprehensible. He's got it all. And that's a key for us to understand that Jesus has experienced what the Father's got for us. But here's you. Here's the fullness that Jesus has and you're not there yet. So what we need to understand is that there's a process, and it's called increasing measure.
It's called Moving Into Fullness. And it's called Spiritual Maturity. That's right. We can move into it. We can move beyond where we are today and into what Jesus already has, but we've got to understand that that requires us going on a journey with regards being a born-again DNA, surrendering our lives to Jesus, entering the waters of baptism, associating ourselves with his death and his resurrection, that we would partner with him, be baptized into Jesus and all of his life, and then beyond that, we would have a thirst where we surrender and receive the flow of God out that he would be glorified. This is the fullness of spirit. Jesus has without measure that you and I are on a journey towards. Let's, let's, let's look at a couple of examples because I really want you to grasp this. Fullness. Fullness is a journey. I'll give you an example. You heard in the Bible about a guy called Elijah. Everyone remembers Elijah. Crazy guy in the Old Testament, went around doing weird stuff. God says to him, doing great stuff is probably a better way to say it. God says to him, I want you to go and I want you to go to the house of Elisha and anoint him as your successor. And so he did. He grabbed his raincoat and threw it over his shoulders as a symbol of his uh, commissioning of the man. And Elisha says in this conversation, I would like a... What does he want? What does he ask for? A double portion. So even though Elijah did all these cool things and amazing miracles that are recorded in um, First Kings, Second Kings, Elisha experienced a double portion. What does that say to me? There's more. Where you're at today, there's more. Where I'm at today, there's more. What are we praying for? A thirst to experience more. Okay. Let's also look at John 14 and verse 17, I think it is. Verse 17. Jesus says, go look at it. Jesus says, Holy Spirit leads you into truth. You know him because he lives with you. And then later, in you. This means progress. It means advancement. It means maturity. I'm not building a doctrine out of it, but what I'm showing you is that there is a fullness that we can aspire to and journey towards that we would experience more of what God has for us, and I want that for everybody. Why would we want it? Why would we want it? Let's look at Luke chapter 24, verse 49. Who's going to read that? Luke chapter 24, and verse 49. Uh, I am going to send you what my father has promised, but stay in the city until you have been clothed with power from on high. Ooh, wee. So this is called empowerment. Let someone else read John chapter 14, verse 12 to 14. Who wants to read John chapter 14, verse 12 to 14? 
Over here. Thanks, Elizabeth. John 14. You might need to just help you find it. Was John 14? Yeah, 12 to 14. This is just before the passage we read earlier. Okay. And I will do whatever you ask in my name, so that the Father may be glorified. In the sun, you may ask me for anything in my name, and I will do it. Excellent. Thank you. Thank you, Elizabeth. That's awesome. So what we understand here is Jesus says, if you believe in me, you're going to do the same works I've done, empowerment, but even greater works than I've done. In order that. So I want you to understand there's a reason that we would go down this path. Here's another key. Look, Woo, there's a picture. The Father is glorified through us. Why would we want to have a life where we give up being the boss of our world and surrender to Jesus, say that he's Lord, and then actually do what he says, receive all the life and the fullness of the Spirit that's here? Why would we do that? so that the Father would be glorified in, our, glorified in our lives. That's the reason why. This is not just me wanting to have a church full of weirdos that lie on the floor and speak in tongues and do weird stuff and, and uh, have a different way of life than everyone else that no one can relate to. That is not the goal here. We're not trying to create a secret club that's weird that no one wants to be part of. This is not like the ugly cousin that you never invite to your Christmas dinner. That is not you. You would have a life filled with the love of God that people would find attractive because they see the power of God working in your world and they want to be part of it. The Father gets glorified. That's what we want as our normal. We had some stuff going on in the office recently and we just stood up and we dealt with it. Why? Because that's our normal. That's what we do. We're not tolerating this. We're going to squash it right here, right now by the power of the Spirit working through us that the Father would be glorified. Some of you are interested. Awesome. Let me land this because there's one more key. You want, you want me to fill this last box in? I'll fill the last box in and then we can take a photo later. We're going we're gonna to finish this. We're going to have a song. We're going to remember Jesus. And then we're going to have a time of encounter. I'm trying to create a thirst in you that in the time of worship, you would have a thirst and respond to what Jesus wants to do. Okay. So here we go. Holy Spirit has come as our advocate. This is an English word. How many can tell me, who can tell me what the Greek word is? Paraclete. Yeah, we'll we'll write it as paraclete. So paraclete is the language that the Bible was written in. The paraclete will be sent. Who can tell me what it means? Anyone? Helper. Yeah, I already gave you that one. Give me another one. Counselor fights on behalf of. 
like a lawyer. That's right. My writing's getting like a lawyer. Okay, let me tell you something new. Well, maybe new. Jesus didn't speak Greek. The Bible was written in Greek because it was the language of the day. It was the academic language. And we honor the Word of God for the way it was written, inspired by the Holy Spirit. We believe it to be true, and you can't challenge it and say it's wrong. That's what we believe as Christians. The word that came out of the mouth of Jesus was in Aramaic. And the word, same thing, translated into Greek and then English, parakleta, which sounds the same. But do you know what it means? It's formed by two halves. Para means to end. Kleta means the curse. So the Holy Spirit comes as a redeemer, as a savior that lives with you in every day of your life that he, through the power of God, would end the curse in your life. Bondage to sin, weakness, shame, sickness, insecurity, lack of purpose, absence of love. All these things that the enemy comes to kill and destroy, to take away from us. The life that Jesus Christ gave himself for that you would experience. Holy Spirit comes as the one sent by the Father to be our advocate in the earth that he would end the power of the curse in our world. Let's get the band on stage. What am I trying to do this morning? I'm trying to create a hunger, a thirst in people by taking the scripture as the bread of life and making it part of us by listening to it and studying it, that in that process we would thirst for the living waters Jesus talked about in John chapter 7. That you would thirst and Jesus would come as you approach him in a posture of surrender. And in that place, his life would flow through you. It's exactly what I want for every person this morning. This morning we've done things differently, and if that's upset you, then I apologize, but we had a purpose in it. What we're doing now is we're going to honor Jesus as the king. Then Fraser's going to come and share a devotion that we would remember and honor Jesus, who is the one who made all this possible by his sacrifice. And then after that, the band will continue to lead us in a time of worship, But more than that, that they would create an atmosphere where you can respond. And I will explain what that looks like when we get into that place. But what I'd like to do is invite you to stand. Stand with us. The band's going to lead us. We're going to sing one song to declare that he is the king and he is among us.